0: And most people would assume that in order to be a great leader, you have to understand how to lead and manage people around you. But actually, the way we look at it is there are four key traits you have to build on in order to step into leadership. The first piece is all around success. How do you define success and how does your team define success? Because for most of us in this world, we define success by going after a goal or an accomplishment. But success isn't actually achieving a goal or an accomplishment. From our perspective, it's an emotion So we define success really differently. We define it as an optimized daily environment that is sustainable over time, which is pretty mind-blowing if you think about it, because most people define success as attaining a goal or objective or going after an accomplishment.
1: We believe that you are strong by design, and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world, so let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hello there and welcome to another episode here on the Strong by Design podcast show. Hosting today, Coach Chris Wilson. Uh, so happy that you've joined us today. If you're a longtime listener of the show... Uh, Welcome back, always great to have you and uh, here we are just rolling right through 2022, uh, 230 plus episodes in and really enjoying all of these terrific conversations, some amazing guests that we've had this year and and we're only halfway through, so there's a lot more great conversations to come. If you're a first time listener, you've just landed on the Strong by Design podcast, thank you so much. It's an honor to have you. We've had the show now for several years, and uh, it's really just a form of ministry for us. Uh, We can have great conversations with people from many different backgrounds, all walks of life, and to help people live a life strong by design. The double meaning that we talk about, you are strong by design, by how you are designed and created uh, by our Creator, but also by the way you design your life. And so it's a twofold meaning, right? We have a, a, a Every day we are given an opportunity to make better choices, better decisions and how we lead ourselves, how we lead others, how we walk through this life. So this is just another episode to help you navigate uh, the, the obstacles and the, uh, the potholes of life, so to speak. So I have a terrific guest, somebody I'm really excited to talk with today, Annie Yach. I, or, I think I got it right. You got it right. I, okay. we, 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 we talked about it before we started rolling. I wanted to get it right. Annie is the CTO, the Chief Transformation Officer and Co-Founder of SEAL Team Leaders. CTO, I don't think I've ever heard that one before, but I actually really like that because you, you are all about transformation and change in, in how people... Uh, you know are able to lead themselves and others in this in this life she's been an entrepreneur for the last 12 years she's a graduate of georgetown University's school of foreign service and georgetown's master's program in international security and counterterrorism now all of that sounds amazing and almost like the female version of mike gillette which is a past uh, guest of ours and an amazing man if, if you know who mike is um, but so it looked like your life was going a certain direction in terms of what you were going to be doing. But then you ended up moving from that into something that you found a deeper passion for, which was really helping other entrepreneurs, people like you, identify the things holding them back from success in life. And so that's really what I want to be able to and uncover truth. I, it was what I've I kind of felt like I read that a few times which was really interesting to me. So, Annie, welcome to the show. I uh, can't wait to, to talk with you about the, this topic today.
0: Thank you so much, Coach Chris. I'm happy to be here, ready to dive on in.
1: Yeah, let's, let's dive on in. So, uh, first and foremost, because you're going to get a different definition, different answer from anyone that you ask. You'd ask 20 different people, you get 20 different answers. I'd be curious to know what your definition is. Why? Uh, what is leadership? And why is leadership so vital to the success of any team?
0: Well, I would say that based on what we do at SEAL Team Leaders, that leadership is really the ability to evoke action in others. So if you're leading a team, you want to make sure that you are evoking that action to make sure that the team is moving forward in the way you want them to move. So that's a very specific and very distilled definition. But the reality is if you want your team to be high-performing, there's a lot of work you have to do on yourself to make sure that the way you show up is not necessarily, you want to make sure that the way you show up is not necessarily what you would want to have had, but it's more what your team and their functional level requires. Cause everybody makes the, um, usually the mistake of leading the way they want to be led instead of leading based on the functional level of the team. And so that's where I'm always telling people, I'm like, you know, if you're going to be leading a team, you have to think about not how you would have wanted to be led, but how does your team need you to lead in order to get the most and the best out of that?
1: That's right. And that, that really comes with knowing your team very well, uh, having as, as intimate a connection to your team members as possible, because people kind of need different things from a leader, don't they?
0: Well, they do. And you know, most of the time when you're hiring someone as a new person to join the team, there's not a lot of time spent on the person's desired end state or their value set or where they're coming from, from past experience. I had a question asked the other day that I thought was just brilliant in an interview where one of the members of our team asked an individual we were recruiting, what is the lesson in life that's taking you the longest to learn? And I was like, Oh, that is how you go deep with people. So we're big fans of going extremely deep on the connection side and making sure that everything is very authentic, very vulnerable very trusting because that is, in essence, the formula for connection. And the more a team has connection, the better that team's going to work with you.
1: Yeah, without question. I, I have a we have a, a kind of a small team in house and a, a much larger team, uh, kind of virtually spread out over the country, actually globally, um, in what we do here at Critical Bench, but. The the connection, the word you just said, connection, is, is a really big deal. And it really comes down to culture, doesn't it? Like the culture that you've created within those four walls where you are. And that starts with the leader.
0: Correct. Well, it starts with the leader or it starts with the CEO, actually. Right? The person who's running the entire team. And what we found about 15 years ago was... Whatever the unresolved trauma of the CEO is, trauma as in, you know, whatever lie their subconscious is telling them, whatever that subconscious trauma is, if they don't resolve it, the performance of their team will be severely limited and they will only attract people that have the same trauma that they have, even if it's in a different context. So that's where it goes back to okay, whoever's leading this team, let's make sure that that person is as healthy mentally in the body, in the heart, in the soul as they can be, because that will literally dramatically shift how the team shows up.
1: Yeah. And that's really your specialty is is dealing with the traumas that all of us carry with us, those burdens, those unresolved issues and things. And being able to, to talk that out and communicate that and get that get those things out in the open to some degree, is that...
0: Well, it's, it's always more helpful if it's not hidden, right? Because hidden trauma is like hidden failure, right? If you have hidden failure, then people will make the same mistakes over and over again. You're going to constantly be putting out the same fires. So with the hidden trauma, from our perspective, it's better to go after it and to be aware of it because then you can attempt to resolve and avoid it. And then so too, can your team.
1: Absolutely. Right. I mean, I, we, I have plenty of scars from childhood or, you know, things in my, course, from my we, past. All
0: do. we all do.
1: Yeah, we all do. But I do feel like one of my strengths has always been my ability to communicate those issues with other people, people that were in my circle, people that I trusted, other mentors, uh, parents, maybe of friends of mine that I formed strong connections with and being able to bring those things out in the open, there was a lot more healing. I think that's really what, it, what happens, right, is we, we, we undergo healing on, on different levels when we're able to voice what those past traumas and burdens and, and, and pains are uh, with, with people that we associate with and trust.
0: I think it, it all comes down to if you have you know trauma that you've gone through, whether it's big T trauma or little T trauma, right? Because most of us in this society, we only hear about the big T trauma, but there are a lot of very small, you know sort of insidious things that sneak up on us that none of us would look at and be like, oh yes, that's a trauma. But when we talk about trauma, we're talking about perceived loss of control. So if you think about any moment in your life where you've had a perceived loss of control, it's more than just you know getting in a car wreck. It could be something as small as your parents putting in your, you in your room when you're four, and the closing of the door at four might mean, oh my gosh, everyone's dead but me, right? So there's it's such a unique concept that you can create a story in your young pre-logic brain between the age of seven and ten, and that story you will literally recreate in different contexts throughout your entire life because that lesson helped you feel safe. Whether you want to or not, right? So it's the the way the mind works: subconscious brain, conscious brain. Just blows my mind every time. Yeah.
1: Well, it's a program, right? It's we we have programmed ourselves a certain way, and we have a lot of different programs running in the backgrounds of uh, uh, the background of our lives, right? While we're our brains are so absolutely amazing, this the the best supercomputer that'll never be. <laughs> that'll never be out out you know out created or out outdone is out the one in our head and there's a lot of different things operating at the same time and some of those things are come to fruition or 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 are are very clearly in your life on on a daily basis or you know and, and other things are just a little bit more hidden and a little bit just kind of just running looming in the background and it's it's it, it it, it's an amazing thing that's happening there. And that's really what your specialty is, right, is is uncovering some of these things and helping people work through these to, to become better leaders and leaders of, of themselves.
0: That's 100% accurate. And what I always like to explain is that, you know, your subconscious brain runs at about 11 million data points a second. Your conscious brain only runs at 40 so you're only ever conscious of forty data points at any one time, but that just means then that your subconscious mind, subconscious brain, and the narrative that directed that story you told yourself as a seven to ten year old, that's running you almost twenty four seven. So all the fears, all the concerns, all the things that kept you safe from those lessons as a little kid, that's running you more than your than your conscious thought, which. It's just such a paradigm shift because we all assume, oh, we're conscious, we're having conscious thought, we're making conscious decisions. No, we're being run by the trauma lessons that we learned as a little kid. That's why when you're triggered or you have an emotional reaction to something, it's not actually, you know, the memory that's coming up. It's the trauma from the past that you're pulling into this present moment, which keeps you disconnected from what the moment actually can create.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and people are afraid to go there because they don't want it's, to, it's easier in life to, to overlook things and, and kind of dodge things and n- not go down those roads. But unfortunately, you know, growth and change only come from taking those steps, those action steps, as you alluded to earlier, that, that we all need to take in our life in order to kind of level up. And imp-
0: well, you know, a lot of people think it's leveling up, but from my perspective, you know, what I've found in this world is that there are a lot of people looking for their purpose. And a lot of people don't have their purpose really well defined. And I wish if if you take nothing else from this podcast, you take the concept that literally your biggest pain, your biggest trauma is actually the source of your greatest lesson and your greatest calling. At least that's what I've seen so once you identify what this trauma is, and you do some work on it, you actually can step more into the calling or the reason why you're here. Right. But I think it's
1: like it uncovers a passion in some. Right.
0: Well, it uncovers the biggest lesson of your life. Which, hmm. if you understand that, then your passion for what you do and what you create in this world comes directly off of that lesson.
1: Yes. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And when we're when we're guided or able to live out our passions. um Healthy passions, of course, I'm talking about. Everything is better. uh, Everything is just better. This topic seems to come up in a lot of conversations um, because passion, actually, we have seven core values here at Strong by Design, seven guiding core values for our business here at Critical Bench. Passion is one of the two Ps. Positive attitude is one of the other ones. But passion, and I recently did a podcast talking just about the P word. Uh, a few episodes back, please go back and and listen to that. Uh, If you're a a first-time listener, if you're a long-time listener, you probably heard that episode. Uh, I just spoke from the heart for about 30 minutes about the power of passion, and really all success is driven by it in life. And All the books I've read read and podcasts I've listened to and experts, that, that word comes up quite a bit. Speaking of which, question for you, Annie. What would you say are the most necessary attributes of a leader? Now, when people hear leader, sometimes they go, well, I'm not a leader. Okay, let's take the word. Uh, we, let me sub in something for everybody or, or, or clue some everybody listening. Leader, you lead. Everyone's a leader because you're leading yourself. So on some level, everybody is a leader, whether you have a leader of your family, leader at work, uh, or at least a leader of, of yourself. So when you think of a leader, what are the attributes that really kind of come to mind for you, Annie?
0: So I think the best way to explain it, we have these six pillars of performance for a leader. And most people would assume that in order to be a great leader, you have to understand how to lead and manage people around you. But actually, the way we look at it is there are four key traits you have to build on in order to step into leadership. And then only after building those four traits can you step into being the leader that you meant to be. So for us, we start with the first piece is all around success. How do you define success and how does your team define success? Because for most of us in this world, we define success by going after a goal or an accomplishment. But success isn't actually achieving a goal or an accomplishment. From our perspective, it's an emotion. And the the faster we can understand that success is an emotion and something that you can achieve daily, it really changes the paradigm around this struggle to get to the goal and the struggle to get to the next goal where you barely have a hint of that experience of success. So we define success really differently. We define it as an optimized daily environment that is sustainable over time, which is pretty mind-blowing if you think about it, because most people define success as attaining a goal or objective or going after an accomplishment. And if you do that, you're always going to be at the limitation of not feeling that feeling. So that's the first thing you have to define success differently in order to be a leader. Second piece is you have to define team differently. You have to understand that the coordination of action is the single most important aspect of being on a team. If you can't coordinate action well, then you can't team. So if you want to be a leader, you have to be one of the best at coordinating action with all the teams that you're on. Then we've got behavior. In order to be a great leader, you have to be very good at assessing and be aware of your personal behavior as well as the behavior of the team. So if you have anything that's a trigger that comes up for you that causes trouble or chaos or issue at work, that's a behavior you really have to look at if you're going to step into leadership. And the last piece of that is self-regulation. And this is where, when my business partner, Larry Atch, was looking at all the SEAL teams, he was like, why is it that these guys, you know, you can get a kid from the middle of the country who's never swum before in his whole life, and you can get an Ironman. And the kid who's never swam before from the middle of the country, who's never seen water, will make it all the way through BUDS and SEAL training, but the Ironman triathlete won't be able to make it through. He couldn't understand what why that was happening and what he identified was it was actually the muscle of self-regulation in the brain and self-regulation covers emotional regulation intellectual regulation physical regulation so if you can regulate yourself and figure out how to make sure that you are emotionally of sound mind physically of sound body and intellectually where you need to be then you're increasing your level of self-regulation across the board so for us, to be a leader, you have to understand self-regulation. You have to be constantly putting deposits into that self-regulation bank. Once you have those four pieces, then you can step into leadership. But in order to in order to lead, you have to be able to evoke that action in other people. It's not just about you taking action, diving in. It's about you evoking that very effective action of others. So thanks yeah. for giving me a little bit of time to describe all that.
1: No, of course. Well, it's great because as i said earlier you know you're going to get a different answer when you ask the question of uh, what is leadership what does that look like to you what you know what what are the the attributes of leadership and it depends on who you ask and how deep they're willing to go with with their response um yeah i it i don't think there's a a a quick answer to that um and it, it is a very meaningful thing and and Honestly, I think that's one of the things lacking in in society today is is sound leadership, uh, and that's why things are kind of a mess right now. I think for a lot of people, <laughs> you know, um, you need you need someone. Everyone kind of needs someone else to look up to um, or to learn from. And the, I'm I'm actually reading another really good book. I, I I'm gonna have to read Larry's book now uh, as well. Uh, but uh, I'm. You may have heard of Brad Lominick before, he, his uh, Be Humble, Stay Hungry, and Always Hustle, H3 Leadership, and um, I'm about halfway through that book. There's two of the qualities that really stood out to me that are at the top of my list when I think of leadership, curiosity, which is really the, the, the ability to never lose, never losing interest in learning, which I f- really feel like that touches on humility, um, and And ego, because if you think you you know all there is to know and you 've learned everything and and when you stop consuming and learning from other people, I think your days of you know good leadership are maybe behind you um, and then passion is my other one that i 've already touched on, and so those two things kind of combined um, can can be a real superpower i think for for leaders in terms of being energizing to their team. And always showing interest in in learning and being good listeners.
0: Well, I think that the curiosity one is dead on, especially because if you think about it, almost everything from your personal life to your professional life, if you stick with a good intention and then you bring that curiosity with you, there's very little that would ever trigger you because you're not, you're being curious. Why is this happening? Why am I observing this? Why is this occurring? It's not about the actual emotional trigger that could set you off. So I think you're dead on with the curiosity piece. And on our teams, what we're really focused on is if you're going to be learning, you should be learning 20% of the time. So if you're supposed to be at 100% and 80% is work, 20% of that time should be learning something new. Because if you learn something new, then you're constantly able to pivot and constantly able to innovate as a team. And again, most important thing for a team is coordination of action. So if you have more tools in your toolkit, then you will coordinate action at a higher level. So I think you're dead on with both.
1: Well, hey, I'm just stealing from other other smarter people. That's all.
0: <laughs> hey, that's all uh, most of us try to do, right? We try to yes. amass as much knowledge as possible and then put it into action.
1: That's right. Exactly right. Now, you have a bit of a specialty, or at least uh, it's what I concluded after uh, researching some of the things that you've been doing, that you've taken a little bit more interest too in helping the women leaders uh, that are out there as well because when most people think of great leaders in history, they often are thinking of men right Winston yeah. Churchill and George Washington and you know all the all these you know Martin Luther King and all these other terrific leaders that have been over the last several hundred years in your opinion, who are some of the greatest female leaders that you've oh, uh, that you've come across or like to maybe read about her or learn from?
0: Well, I think, you know, a lot of us probably might go back to Eleanor Roosevelt because she was, you know, front and center in a time in the country where the country really needed female leadership. Um, and she had just such a wide variety of causes she was a part of that for me, between that and these beautiful one-liners that she would share with her audience were just so spot on. So Eleanor Roosevelt, for sure. I think, you know, anytime you see a woman in history that's very courageous, like Amelia Earhart, who you know, takes on a role that has been primarily filled by a man for many years. That's really incredible. But I think honestly, for me, women that I'm most impressed by are women who are able to have a family, be a loving wife, have an incredible job where they're creating impact in this world, and somehow they're not losing their minds. Because that combination of running a family, running a team in business, running yourself so that you have enough love and support around you to show up every day with that level of energy. I think all moms are incredibly courageous. And so that's that's the type of woman that I like to support. Those who are working, running a family and also making sure that they're taking care of themselves. Because that's a hard, hard thing to do to have almost everything the way you want it to be. It just doesn't yeah. happen that often.
1: No, no doubt about it. And that's right. That's why we've seen you know, a lot, there's a lot of, unfortunately, the, the family unit, right, has been greatly impacted uh, in, in recent decades, I guess you could say. And that w- when that, when the family's not together sometimes, that's when you sh- see failing leadership, right? Because there's just, it's, that, it's hard, man. Life is hard. <laughs> Keeping the family together is hard. And all these things, you know. So there's a lot of responsibilities,
0: Yeah, I think we're missing, you know, from what I've seen, because I do a lot of coaching of couples, you know, high-level couples who are in business together and who also just run businesses. I think the thing that I've noticed that most couples are missing in this day and age is the polarity, that masculine-feminine dynamic that creates so much chemistry and excitement for life and passion for each other. What I see so often is that we're all so exhausted all the time from running around 24-7 and putting the kid relationship first, the children relationship first before the relationship of the couple or the marriage even. And so it's been, it's been very unique to watch as more and more couples learn how to bring polarity back into their marriages. It's been a beautiful way to watch some of those nuclear families stay together because it's just a skill none of us ever learned, you know? And so the more we can do to support that, I think it's really key. Yeah,
1: absolutely right. No, it's a great answer. And, and uh, I agree a hundred percent with it. Uh, Your focus now with SEAL Team Leaders is your specific focus, communication, feedback systems, and accountability processes. Is that correct?
0: Well, we found that there are pretty much three big gaps that every single company has, whether it's a million-dollar company or a multi-billion-dollar company. And those were accountability delegation, right? How do we make sure that people actually delegate what they're supposed to and people meet their responsibilities for deadlines and such? And then we've got the second piece, which is all about feedback, especially I think feedback in teams, because more often than not, you lose a lot of time, energy, and effort when you have to give somebody feedback and they get very defensive and then they can't be as productive. So, we're big fans of how do we create feedback in a way for teams where if you can give it and receive it and it's connecting, you don't lose any productivity. So, that feedback piece is the second piece. And then the third piece is planning, because most people plan the perfect plan they don't plan for any contingencies they don't debrief after the plan to figure out what went wrong and to capture those lessons so those three pieces that accountability the um the feedback and then the planning biggest gaps in every single business we've ever worked with
1: yeah yeah we've encountered a lot of that over the years and luckily the the founder of critical bench uh, mike westerdahl has invested a lot of time um in his own leadership skills and he's he has multiple mentors um you know somebody that's like a, a local friend and and confidant I guess you could say mentor is kind of a father figure and then he has a, another a mentor in business that really helps with the kind of the the structure of the business how the business works right um, and and when you see as somebody that works within a business when you see your leader investing in themselves and learning from others it's very uh inspiring and it 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 definitely trickles down wouldn't you say when you see you know the, the the top dog investing in their own ability their own growth their own leadership skills um that definitely has an impact on everyone else that's part of that team?
0: Well, I think it's inspiring because if the main person running the company is willing to identify that they have weaknesses or gaps, then everybody else can finally open up and be like, Oh gosh, if he's willing to acknowledge this or she's willing to acknowledge this, then there's no concern for me to acknowledge it. And so you see, you see quite a bit if, if a team brings in somebody to be a coach or to work on personal development, not only does that help at the you know C-suite level, but then it helps make nobody's business at the, uh, team level so I love seeing it and the more that people can invest in their team early the more loyalty and retention you'll have from your team because if you're invested in their personal development they can invest in themselves and they know that that's something they won't get at every company
1: I have a, a like a side question that just kind of popped in my head because I think so many of us have experienced this in different jobs that we've had you know over period of, of time, right? Um, I'm in my middle 40s. I've you know, I've, I've been around the block. I've wor- worked for different employers over the years since I was a, a teenager. And I feel like one of the downfalls of a lot of organizations is that they're quick to hire and slow to fire when it really needs to be the other way around. And we want to bring on people with strong character and, and leadership Qualities. So we are very much slow to hire here and fast to fire. Um, we take the hiring process extremely seriously. We invest months of time and, and resources in, in having people jump through hoops, so to speak. And if they miss a hoop, then they're out um, because we really want the right person for the job. Can you just maybe touch on that a little bit? I know it's kind of a side issue, but it's important in any organization bringing on the right people, right?
0: Well, recruitment and retention are two of the most important issues. You waste so much money if you are churning through people over and over again. So I would agree 100% if you spend more time on that front end with people really identifying what is this purpose? What is this person's deep driving purpose? And does their deep driving purpose sync up to what the company's deep driving purpose is? And what you see more often than not is that a lot of companies have core values, they have a vision, they have a mission statement, but the team as a whole hasn't come together to create what we call a desired end state, which is that deep driving purpose that everyone on the team enrolls in, and is engaged in, and has a voice for. But if you do that, and then you use that with a new recruit, and you dive in deep into, okay, what are the three reasons why you might be here? Why are the three main reasons why you might want to participate in this team? You're able to see is their deep driving purpose thing that actually syncs up with ours. And then the more time you spend really digging into that person, what their goals are, their past experience, the better you'll understand how to motivate, inspire them, and keep them coordinating action at a high level.
1: Yeah. That's no, terrific. I, I absolutely agree with that. Because I think at least you have common issues that your team works with, uh with other organizations and one of them i'd like to just focus on for a moment which is this toxic work environment that a lot of people are part of and that can be in just about any i mean that could be a professional team an organization down to a coffee house and if you have a toxic work environment you're going to lose good people who don't want to be part of that and unfortunately like i said with the the this, this, the quick to hire, slow to fire type method—you end up keeping these toxic employees and losing the good people.
0: Right. Well, anytime there's, you know, it's interesting to me because most people, when they have a toxic employee, they might be, they might take some time to let the person go. What I wish more people would do is, I wish they would actually run an assessment on the employer, bring someone in to run that assessment to figure out. Does it make sense for us to invest in this person to possibly change a behavior that is causing the toxicity early on rather than waiting until it becomes a huge problem and starts to cause issue in the culture? So we're pulled in a lot of times when there's one person on a team that is having some toxicity or is usually it's like a victim mindset or it's maybe some narcissism. And people are looking for us to identify, can this person change this behavior to be a more contributing member of the team or are they not going to be able to do that? Do we have to let them go? I think there's something to be said for the CEOs that are willing to take that step, have somebody assess and have somebody actually offer some support and guidance because if not, that person's going to go to the next job and create the same toxicity in the same work environment. It's almost like this is our give back to the next people that hire. We'd rather make sure that in the hiring stage, hire people that are good people who are willing to do the work, who have a chance to change a behavior that might actually really positively continue to the team. If they're allowed to learn new skills and learn some personal development.
1: So a lot of it does come back to that, that, that feedback mechanism that's built in, right? Because when people are, you know, it's funny. One of my neighbors recently just posted a card that her son had received he works at target right he's a young guy he's in college he he works at target he received a card from a ton of, like his supervisors and different people that he works with it was a handwritten thank you card acknowledging him and the hard work that he in showing up and just being a good human being and he really is he's a great he's a great kid he's 18 years old he's a hard worker he's very kind very sweet boy and um He got this card, and I think his mom was pretty touched by it. And so she's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna post this," you know. And I think, I don't think there's a lot of people that get that kind of recognition. Um, I talked with Dr. Paul White several episodes ago about recognition in the workplace and and having these feedback systems in place to let people know. And it doesn't need to be money. It doesn't need to be financial. A lot of times it's just acknowledging somebody in different ways that, that are meaningful to them. And that can change behavior dramatically, can't
0: it? Oh, 100%. And you have to be careful because you have to look at what motivates each person individually because not everyone's the same, right? So if you're going to offer something to someone, some people might prefer the monetary side. Some people might just want a word of praise or word of affirmation. Some people want might want a hug or you know something along those lines. So... I think where we mess up in business culture is we spend a lot of time thinking about what we would do at large for the group rather than getting a little bit more specific to make it even more special for each person based on what they most need to hear to continue being a really great contributing member.
1: Right. Some people are like kind of like their love language is like would be like more like interaction, like a like a fist bump or, you know, a bro hug or a high five or something. Right. Yeah. Ra Whereas other people, maybe it's just a little bit of one on one time with their supervisor or somebody that, you know, that right. they work for and, and feeling like they're heard and, and that they're that their people care about them or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where I think a lot of it is, too, is as I've gotten older and a, a little bit wiser, I have a long way to go. But I have always been a talker. And I realize as I get older, and here I am hosting a podcast show, but I so, but
0: you're not, had, judging. You're not judging,
1: no judgment here, right? But no. being being a good listener is part of being a good leader,
0: yes.
1: And being able to just hear people, listening, listening, you know, close your mouth and open your ears kind of thing uh, approach to people because when, you, when you're able to do that, you're tuning in to, to their needs and respecting them, and I think if that's practiced, uh, then people feel that, that you're listening to them, and that that means something to them.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think most people in this world want to be heard, they want to belong, and they want to matter. So if as a leader, you can spend some time listening and really asking those questions to get the deeper why for most people, then you're going to get a lot more out of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Something I read just recently said, you know, the the wisest person, it's not the answers that they have. It's the questions that they ask, you know, the wisest people. And and it, it is true. It's like if you really sit and think and listen, and then if you can ask the right questions, that can open up a conversation that can be life changing for people. Will you touch a little bit on workplace trauma? So this is one of the common issues that your team works with, and you specifically, had, we had brought up earlier. Like, what what is workplace trauma? Like, what, is this something that people are really um, familiar with? I, I don't know if I've really heard that term very much.
0: Well, I don't know if everyone is familiar with it, but we do tend to see it with a lot of startups, because in startup companies, you know, you have people grinding, going after really intense goals really quickly. And so you start to see burnout, which can be considered a trauma of sorts. Also, you know, if there's a really intense um, mistake that's made because our culture is a lot more focused on hiding mistakes rather than having a growth culture where we just throw mistakes out there and we're like, Oh, look what I did. I messed this up this way. Nobody else will mess it up. If I tell you how I messed it up, we just don't do that as a culture. And so I think The combination of victim mentality, which seems to be pretty dominant in cultures and businesses, as well as the, you know, the lack of that deep conversation that you might have with somebody, it sort of sets it up for there to be some level of trauma in the workplace, whether it's one person on one team causing issues or, you know, the fact that you've been grinding for two weeks straight at 16 hours a day, that can even be a survival strategy that doesn't work. So... Yes, there is for sure trauma in the workplace. But I think, you know, a lot of what we know about trauma comes from being young, having that pre-logical story that we then try to recreate just so we can feel safe.
1: So what are some of those strategies that help people in the workplace deal with some of these, the the, the, the trauma or this these past uh, issues that they, you know, can't seem to let go of or have not? Uh, gotten over, healed from? I mean, what what, what are some quick takeaways maybe for our listeners?
0: Well, I think some quick takeaways would be, number one, you have to start with awareness. You have to know what it is you're dealing with. And there's typically a negative and positive cycle that you fall into. The negative cycle is the trauma-based cycle. The positive cycle is what great lesson you learn coming out of the trauma. So for a lot of people, when I go in and I'm identifying trauma-related issues, whether it's from their childhood or the work environment, we're going to spend some time looking, okay, what is your greatest superpower? What is your greatest su- uh, kryptonite? Because they're usually two sides of the same coin. If you understand what that is, then you can start to see where does this trauma get this person into trouble? And then you can start pulling off and unraveling all the lines that come off of that story they told themselves. So that's one of the ways we do it. What I like to use, which is a very quick fix. If you take nothing else away from this this podcast, you take this, please do write this down I like to ask myself, especially when it comes to trauma, you can only have, you can only have one lie and one truth. And you get to decide which is which. So when something comes up in my mind and I'm worried, oh gosh, is this a trauma response or is this my normal response? I'm always going to ask myself, what do I want to be true? In this moment, what do I want to be true? And I will live into that truth rather than allowing a lie or a story To dominate my experience so for example if I'm being triggered by a team member who is telling me that I did something wrong and I take it to heart I'm like oh my gosh I'm to blame this is all my fault I'm never going to get any better at this if I decide in that moment what do I want to be true do I want it to be true that I'm never going to get better at this fixed mindset or do I want to decide in this moment I can learn to do anything no matter what is handed to me and then I decide, what do I want to be true? I want this to be true. Then I'm going to hold this as true for the rest of the day. And all of my actions are going to be linked to that truth. So that's a really good example of just on a very specific and small level, how do we rewire some of this? How do we make it different than how the emotional trigger or the default action might push us into it?
1: Right. So it's it's the language that we use and in the, the internal conversation that a lot of us have, right? We... We're so quick to cut ourselves down. We really and, are. And really, and, right. And, and it's almost like we need others to build us back up because we're, a lot of us are lousy at doing it ourselves because <laughs> we're, we're just oh, constantly just, not you're, you're telling like ourselves it. bad stuff.
0: We don't have the tools. I mean, I worked with a gentleman today and his whole life because there was a middle school teacher who told him that he would never amount to anything if he was the way he was. So for his whole life, for 30 years, all he did was try to disprove this middle school teacher.
1: Yeah. I'll show him.
0: (laughs) I'll show him, right? He's fueling everything he does from a place of the trauma. And today for the first time, he was like, oh my God, I didn't even realize I was doing that. He's like, I didn't realize that I've been trying to prove myself every single day to disprove that middle school teacher. And he had so much anger towards this teacher, even though in reality the teacher wasn't doing it anymore. He had been doing it to himself for 30 years. So there was wow. a big process there around how do I forgive myself for doing this and creating all of these repercussions for trying to prove myself more than just being human. I mean, that wow. in and of itself in one hour is a pretty mind-blowing concept to start to identify and then work oh, through.
1: Yeah. yeah, without question. And, yeah, th- and that's where... I'm so um, happy. I, I'm one of those rare guys that will – I'm part of a um, – I have like a Saturday morning group group of guys that we get on. Uh, we would do it in person if we could, but it's, in today's day and age, it's just easier to do things virtually, right? So it's an ongoing Saturday morning, 7 a.m., one-hour-long men's group. And sometimes it's three of us, sometimes it's 12 or 15 of us, depends on who can show up. And we just talk about life. Um, And I think if more people just had those kind of conversations with people in their inner circle, uh, you know, different people that they... Can learn from and, and don't mind sharing and opening up with. Um, there would be a lot more healing, and people would be able to kind of get past some of these things that are, you know, scars or, or things that are subconscious that we don't even realize are are major major issues. Um, I think a lot of people keep things bottled up, and it, it, de- it definitely it, it eats at you.
0: Well, if you think about how men have been conditioned, you know, in the society. They're conditioned not to show vulnerability, not to show tears, not to show emotion. So how is not showing emotion, not showing vulnerability going to work in a team? Not very well because the team will know you're hiding something energetically at a bare minimum, right? And so that's why we really support and push and train on you have to go after connection first. And the connection formula is you have to focus on your vulnerability and learning how to share have to focus on your authenticity, being exactly who you are. You have to focus on giving trust before you receive it. You do all three of those things, you build more connection. And that is what allows you to have the safety to share more of who you are. So I think having a men's group or having a women's group or having just a group in general that you feel safe enough within to work on that connection formula in those three pieces, you give yourself a, a win every time.
1: Right, No doubt about it. So tell us uh, a little bit more, our listeners, where they can find more about what you're doing with SEAL Team Leaders and, uh, uh, you know, so they can maybe social media, any different platform that you feel is, uh, is helpful to them.
0: Well, I think if you just go to SEALTeamLeaders.com, that'll give you access to one of our assessments, which is really great. It can give you some knowledge as to what are those four to six pillars of leadership might be lacking in what's really nice about that assessment is you can run it for your team you can run it for yourself individually gives you a lot of great insight into how am i showing up as a leader do i want to change any of these behaviors and how can i optimize myself for my team for my family for the future so i'd say go to sealteamleaders.com you'll notice the assessment tab if you are courageous take that quick assessment and see where you get to focus
1: yeah, no, it's a, and it's a great website. I have it up here right in front of me. You can uh, look, click on the about to learn a little bit more about the, 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 the different people that are, are there at SEAL Team Leaders, including Annie, uh, who co-founded it with Larry. And Larry will be on uh, the Strong by Design show in future weeks, which is really cool. I can dive into leadership on a, on a different level with him. Um, but it's been really, really fun. Uh, I, I'm always, it's a topic that's always fun for me to discuss because it's just an ongoing thing. As I said earlier, with, the, with like learning and curiosity, it's like, how can we continue to be better leaders um, in, here in the workplace, at home, uh, with, with my spouse, with my children, with my friends, with my family? Like, you know, people look up to us in our world. And, and we, we all, it's like kind of a, you know, it's, I think inside all of us is a, is, is a good leader. And we just need to be able to tap into that and figure out how to get there. And, uh, obviously, is
0: is the development of some skills. That's, it. We
1: that's can it.
0: Do it.
1: It's awesome. Thank you so much, yeah. Annie, for your cool. time.
0: Really nice appreciate example. it. Thank, Thank you so you. much. I hope it yeah. was very valuable for the listeners, too.
1: Oh, I have no doubt that it was. I got a lot out of it, so I'm I'm sure uh, our listeners did as well. Thank you for supporting the Strong by Design po- uh, podcast. Uh, again, if this is the first time uh, listening to our show, I uh, hope you really learned something and wrote a few of those things down, as I did uh, with, with what annie shared of course uh leave us a rating or a review let us know give us some feedback uh something you enjoyed got from this episode or past episodes we would love to know and uh again if you're a longtime listener thank you so much we just love you and we'll we'll be back next week as always on wednesday when a new episode releases and uh we just hope you have a, a, a great rest of your day and week and we'll talk with you very soon god bless Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you.